This podcast is brought to you by Pop Spotting, a new show coming this summer covering everything else. Movies, music, television, books, plus interviews, trivia contests, and much more. Learn more at popspotting.net. The Transmission, episode 100, June 13th, 2010. It's okay, you, you can let go. <sighs> Looks like we made it. Yeah, you sure did. Aloha from the island, Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And I'm Ryan. And we are here to take our traditional look back on the season that was. And in this case, that's season six, the last season of Lost. First, we'll try to recap the whole season in about eight (laughs) minutes. Oh, boy. Then we'll reminisce about our favorite moments. We'll take a roll call of how our favorite characters turned out. And then we'll pick our favorite episodes. We'll hear your thoughts on season six in our feedback segment, you all, everybody. We'll share our plans for our last transmission podcast, and we will pause to remember Nunu. Finally, we'll close with another great song from the Others Lost band. So you ready? Let's get lost. Season 6 of Lost brought us from LAX to the end. It gave us the resolution of the island story as well as the flash sideways. Oceanic Flight 815 lands safely in Los Angeles. Charlie, who was saved on the plane, is let off in handcuffs. Jin is taken into custody at customs for carrying too much cash. Jack is told his father's coffin doesn't didn't arrive. And Kate escapes from the marshal, jumping into Claire's cab. Kate takes Claire to the hospital, where Claire helps Kate evade the cops. Locke and Helen are engaged, but Locke gets fired from his job. Hurley refers him to a temp agency where Rose finds him a job as a substitute teacher. Jack and his mom find Christian's will and learn about Claire, and Jack attends his son's piano audition and tells him that he can never fail. Saeed goes to visit Nadia, who's married to his brother Omer. Omer ends up in the hospital and Saeed is kidnapped by Kimi, but Saeed kills Kimi and finds Jin tied up as Jin is also owing money to Kimi. Jin saves son, but she's been shot and reveals to Jin that she's pregnant. Meanwhile, Locke meets Ben a history teacher at his school who gives up his power struggle with the principal to save Alex, his star student. We learn that Sawyer and Miles are cops and that it's Sawyer who catches Kate. And we learn Desmond works for Widmore who sends him to get Charlie. Charlie crashes Desmond's car into the ocean and Desmond wakes up seeing visions of the island. He tracks down Penny, then goes looking for others that were aboard Oceanic 815. Hurley meets Libby but finds out she's in a mental institution. But Desmond encourages him to find out more and when when they go on a date and kiss, Hurley remembers the island. Desmond then runs down Locke in the school parking lot, and then he introduces Claire to Jack's lawyer. Just as Jack and Claire meet, Jack is called to the hospital. Jack operates on Locke, who he recognizes from the plane. He tracks down Locke's dentist, Bernard, and his father, Anthony, and learns about Locke's original injury. But Locke still refuses the procedure. Claire visits, and Jack invites her to stay with him. Meanwhile, Sun is recovering a few doors down, and Jin brings her some flowers. Locke returns to school, but Ben spots Desmond watching and tries to stop him. Desmond beats Ben up, and Ben sees visions of the island also. Ben then meets Rousseau and flashes as they talk about Alex. 
Locke goes back to Jack and says he's ready to get out of his wheelchair. And Desmond turns himself into Sawyer and meets Kate and Saeed in jail. Desmond breaks them out of jail with help from Ana Lucia and sets things in motion. Hurley and Saeed kidnap Charlie for the concert where he sees Claire, who gives birth to Aaron, and they all see the truth. Locke, Sun, Jin, Sawyer, and Juliet have their awakening at the hospital. Kate brings Jack to a church where everyone is already waiting. Jack meets his father and realizes that they're all dead. Christian says that some died before him and some died long after him, but that they're all real and in a place they all created to find each other and remember. Now, he says, they're moving on. They all gather and Christian opens the church door, flooding it with light. On the island, Jack, Kate, Sawyer, Hurley, Miles, Jin, and Saeed wake up and realize the plan to detonate Jughead failed. Sawyer finds Juliet, but she dies in his arms. They bring Saeed to the others at the temple to save him, but their leader, Dogen, says that he's dead. Suddenly, Saeed sits up and asks what happened. Dogen asks Jack to give Saeed a poison pill, but Jack refuses. In Jacob's lair, Unlock kills Bram and his men, then takes Richard into the jungle and asks him to join him. But Richard refuses. Unlock then goes to Sawyer and offers him answers. He brings him to a cave with their names written on the wall and says they're all Jacob's candidates. Ben and Ilana and the others bury the real Locke and head for the temple. Back at the temple, Sawyer leaves and Kate and Jin go after him. Jacob gets Hurley to bring Jack to the lighthouse where Jack freaks out when he finds their names around the mirror. Jin ends up looking for Sun while Kate finds Sawyer at New Otherton, but Sawyer sends Kate back and Jin is captured by Claire. She introduces Unlock as her friend. Unlock sends Claire into the temple and she gives them until sundown to join him. Dogen sends Saeed to kill Unlock, but Unlock offers Saeed a chance to see Nadia again. Saeed kills Dogen. Then Unlock sweeps through the temple as the smoke monster, killing anyone left. Ilana rescues Miles, but Kate, Claire, and Saeed follow Unlock. Jack and Hurley meet Richard, who says that Jacob lied and that he wants to die. But Jack proves that they can't die because they still have a purpose. They head for the beach camp where Ilana, Ben's son, Frank, and others are waiting. Offshore, though, Charles Widmore's submarine arrives, and Unlock sets up camp in the jungle with his followers. Unlock sends Sawyer to check on the Ajira plane, but is captured by Widmore. He tells Widmore he'll bring Unlock to him, but then tells Unlock about his deal. He tells Kate that they'll let Widmore and Unlock fight while they escape on the submarine. We then flash back with Abiturno to learn how Richard came to the island and to work for Jacob. Richard returns with a plan to destroy the plane. Meanwhile, Widmore kidnaps Jin from Unlock's camp. Saeed spots Desmond being taken off the sub, and Desmond is subjected to an electromagnetic test. He sees the flash sideways, but is soon kidnapped and thrown down a well. At the beach camp, Ilana blows up, and Hurley blows up the Black Rock to stop Richard's plan. Hurley says that they should talk to Unlock. Richard disagrees, taking Ben and Miles with him to get more explosives. Then Hurley leads Jack, Son, and Frank to Unlock's camp. Unlock sends Saeed to kill Desmond and sends Sawyer to get on the boat. But Sawyer sails off with Kate, Hurley, Son, and Claire, but Jack says it doesn't feel right and jumps overboard. When Sawyer and friends arrive, Son and Jin reunite, and then they're all taken captive by Widmore. But Unlock, Jack, and Saeed follow and break them all out of the cages, and they head for the plane. Finding the plane rigged with explosives, though, they head for the submarine. When they get there, Jack and Sawyer execute a plan to steal the sub, getting everyone aboard and leaving 
leaving Unlock and Claire behind. As the submarine dives, Jack finds a bomb in his backpack, and he realizes that Unlock always planned to kill all of them. Saeed tells Jack about Desmond, and then grabs the bomb and runs just before it explodes. The submarine starts to sink, and Sun is trapped. Jin decides to go down with her. Jack, Kate, Sawyer, and Hurley reach shore and mourn their lost friends. We then flash way back with Across the Sea, learning about the energy at the heart of the island and how Jacob became the island's protector and how his brother became the smoke monster. Back in the present, Jack, Kate, Hurley, and Sawyer meet Jacob, who offers them the choice to succeed him. Jack volunteers. Meanwhile, Miles, Ben, and Richard reach New Otherton, and Widmore is there. When Unlock arrives, he offers Ben the island, and Ben shoots Widmore. Locke and Ben then grab Desmond from Rose and Bernard's camp and head for the heart of the island. They meet up with Kate, Jack, Sawyer, and Hurley, and they all head for the bamboo forest together. Jack and Locke lower Desmond down a waterfall, where he extinguishes the island's light. The ground starts to shake, and Unlock realizes that he's no longer invincible. He runs for his boat, but Jack chases him down. Kate shoots Unlock, and Jack kicks him off a cliff. But the island is still sinking, and Jack decides he wants to try and restore the light. He sends Kate and Sawyer to the plane, while Hurley and Ben follow him back to the heart of the island. Jack passes stewardship of the island to Hurley and then descends into the cave to restore the light. Badly injured, he staggers back to the bamboo forest and collapses. He sees the Ajera plane fly overhead before closing his eyes for the last time. And thud. And that is season six, the final season of Lost in under eight minutes. We'll take a quick break to catch our breath. And when we come back, we'll go through our thoughts on the season. Season six of Lost was a heck of a ride. Mm-hmm. It was almost nonstop from LAX to the end and certainly brought us both an explanation of the entire arc of Lost to date and set up what the next arc would be. And of course, with the Flash Sideways was also one of the more controversial seasons. What did you think now looking back on season six? Thumbs up or not? Thumbs up. It's probably in my top three. Really? So let's say that season one, I think, still remains for most people the very best season of Lost. Oh, yeah, of course. It's sort of in its own category because it was all potential and all, you know, what could possibly happen. Mm -hmm. But I'm surprised that you ranked it really that high. Why? I was... Mostly, I'm just really thrilled that they took a lot of risks. I was happy Mm. to see them go places that I really wasn't expecting. They kind of really toward the end, went on a very spiritual journey. They really stuck with a very spiritual side of things, and I really enjoyed that, and I'm glad that they took that risk. So by spiritual, you mean more, I would imagine, than just the church and everybody coming together there, but maybe just the light and the, at the heart of the island and how it's within every person and it's the human soul. And everything was very metaphoric and, I and symbolic. I, you know... It would have been great to get the answers that we were expecting, you know, the wraps up, wrap-ups of the mystery, but to see them go outside the boundaries that we'd assigned them, to, to go to a, a different kind of place was really 
exciting. Just that for it was me. something bigger than everything to some right. extent that they really tackled something that large. I that, that I like that perspective. I mean, there were a lot of people who've really missed the scientific side, and I do like now in in looking back how many people have still rationalized science into the glowing cave and all of that. But right. that they go spiritual, I can see that I like that. I also think that season six, um, very purposely and emphatically, was a return to a focus on the characters. You know what we really saw was a mirroring of season one and an exploration of the characters and you know with the flash sideways giving us the characters that we like but turning a different light seeing them from a different angle so i, I that's why i really like season six the as characters well. are what really sucked me into the show in the first place so to see not only the ca- return to the characters but also an exploration of the different sides of the characters to see the way ben would be in a different setting to see the way Jack would be in a different setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really liked that they played with our expectations. Yeah, I definitely did too. In fact, the most controversial thing that I can think of to say is that I think that I think more about the Flash Sideways and enjoyed moments in the Flash Sideways more than I did with what was happening on the island. And for many people, that's blasphemy, especially because of what the Flash Sideways turned out to be. Yes, it was them coming together in the afterlife. It was them resolving and remembering together before moving on. And for some people, that made the Entire flash sideways moot and no, pointless. I don't believe but that at all. I actually thinking how much I think about the flash sideways that turned out to be the stronger half of this season, which is blasphemy. But that's really how I feel. So to, again, I, I'm not sure if I'd put season six as high as you, but I definitely enjoyed season six quite a bit. And like it, as with most seasons, I think the more I think about it, was there anything about season six, though, if you weren't turned off by the reveal of the flash sideways that you didn't like or that frustrated you? There was an inordinate amount of walking around and talking about things and planning things <laughs> just that well that's why the island story didn't grab me as much it was full of exposition it was full of people explaining things which i really felt unnecessary i felt like a lot of the dialogue on the island was pandering to people that never watched the show and were trying to get into the show mm-hmm. most of us already knew a lot of what was said mm-hmm you know, in these scenes. Well, you know, I felt that definitely in the finale. There's several points within the finale where someone will explicitly explain, this is what we're doing and this is what we're going to do next. So that I definitely saw as sort of explaining to people who were tuning in out of curiosity. But I will agree that season six did feature a lot of trekking, moving, waiting. In fact, to the point where it entered the dialogue, you know, there's a difference between doing nothing and waiting. But if that frustration was clear to the characters, to the writers, I think that says something about perhaps the pace of the -hmm. season. I think that people who were frustrated that we didn't get many answers or didn't get to certain things on the island are especially or were especially kind of frustrated at the wheels spinning there of the idling in place because they felt that that time might have been used to do something else. Yeah, I totally agree. But that said, I think that when you look at the resolution of the island story that we've been watching for six years now, I'm satisfied with what they essentially gave us, that they have now explained why everyone came to the island, that all of their trials and tribulations were in service of basically finding the fitting and perfect replacement for Jacob. And yes, they were flawed. Yes, they had problems, but that made them better candidates in Jacob's view. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, it turned out to not be Jack, the obvious choice. He made the sacrifice so that it could happen. Kate helped defeat the man in black. But in the end, it comes down to Hurley. Everybody loves Hurley. Mm -hmm. And he moves on to start the next cycle. I mean, in that respect, I thought that it was still a satisfying season. We all thought Hurley was special and key and that turned out to be the case absolutely and i will say you know the flash sideways a lot of people were turned off by the big reveal i kind of 
like you said, that the writers took risks. You know, the the snake in the mailbox, the flash forward that surprised everyone at the end of season three, this was much bigger, much more shocking. And I guess for a lot of people, it didn't work. But for me, that's daring. For me, that was, it was the sort of thing that made me stand up and go, what? What? What is happening? And to that, because of that simple reaction, because that nobody really, you know, of all the theorizing that people did, that that still shocked and surprised us, I think that that has to count for something as well. I mean, yeah. again, I, I give them credit for doing that. Um, also in this season, I thought perhaps for better and worse, as a big fan of Michael Giacchino's music, it seemed that they had the dial cranked up to 11 for him most of the season. Really? I was really conscious of it throughout the whole throughout the whole season. I hadn't really noticed that, but I, I really, there were pieces that really grabbed my attention because they were just, they were so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the season where I latched on to a lot of the themes and, and kind of went over in my head how they played into other seasons. And, Absolutely. And I really thought that the music really came together very nicely. Yeah, it made it full circle again with season one and with the rest of the show. If you haven't listened to, you know, the Keys to Lost podcast with Matt, he's put together some great shows exploring the music and it was watching through the season that thanks to him and thanks to Giochino's talent, I was very conscious of what the music was trying to tell me. Now, of course, you mentioned the exposition. I do think that there were several scenes where I thought the music was a little too explicit a little too hey this is important but that's uh-huh. okay because any Giacchino is better than no Giacchino absolutely and I'll have to say I thought the special effects this season through the course of the season kind of graduated for me I mean when they started with the shot of the island under the water and there was sort of the fishes flying by and then you see the the, the othersville part of me was like oh you know I, I, that was not a strong moment for me because it sort of reminded me of a video game demo from four years ago yeah. or something. but then it just sort of progressed and it just sort of progressed we had a lot of pyrotechnics Technics. We had a lot of visuals that were shocking, like Desmond in the in the in the little crate, basically being right. zapped. And then they get to the submarine, which has never looked better, at least from an exterior point of view. Which it had to be for how powerful that scene was. Right. And then the end with the island falling down and the 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 cliff sides collapsing into the ocean during the epic battle. To me, that was sort of like again, sort of a graduation for the special effects on the show. It's I funny that, that you great. say that because to me, the island falling apart sequences really reminded me of a disaster movie yeah i mean i can sort of see the the day after tomorrow there or maybe even the 2012 or something but mm-hmm. they didn't at least go quite that far although i will admit that an airplane taking off just as the runway starts crumbling into the ocean was a little close to that but then you get the triumphant moment of the plane taking off with the exodus theme giacchino again and all sins were forgiven so <laughs> yeah well season six definitely a thumbs up from both of us and i would say at least in the better half of all of the seasons of the show mm-hmm. behind season one maybe season four Four. Yeah, there you go. De- definitely agreement there, but definitely a strong season. Well, I wanted to, for this podcast, go over our favorite moments as we do for every postseason podcast. And again, you know, I wasn't entirely sure how I was going to come down on season six, but as I started to write them down, and I think you as well, the number of season uh, moments that were memorable enough to write down kind of surprised me. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of great moments. So let's say that we're creating our own flash sideways here, Jen. We were suddenly in this world where Lost doesn't exist and we never made a podcast and maybe you and I aren't together, but suddenly we meet and we touch and there's flashes and suddenly we see this picture of a world where Lost has brought us together and put us in touch with a wondrous community of fans. All right, all right, (laughs) I'll stop. In any case, if we had flashes, if we had a 
awakenings that took us through this season, I want to talk about the, the moments that would be in that sort of retrospective. And let's start at the beginning. LAX, it was definitely a, 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 a game changer in terms of introducing The Flash sideways. Anything in LAX that really stood out for you? It wasn't something that I enjoyed, but seeing Juliet die again really... Mm really hit me hard definitely definitely i mean it's weird that they were able to go back there they were able to hit that well of emotional sensitivity a second time after we were all you know really wrenched over his her death at the end of season five but i agree the fact that they could do it again definitely shows how strongly they wrote those characters those moments i think that of course the 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 scene with unlock and ben in jacob's lair after you know everything came to pass and ben kills jacob and basically unlock kind of dresses down lock you know says that he was a sucker he was just really uh, you know he he was a sorry character Mm -hmm. and kind of setting into motion sort of ben's sort of role on the island i thought that that was key but i will say that for lax the moments that are significant to me are only significant having now seen the end because Mm -hmm. they take on the added meaning you've got rose and bernard basically saying you can let go now as 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 Jack would have to if he's in the afterlife and he would eventually do and rewatching it I rem- there's this point where Bernard comes back onto the t- you know to his seat and he just went to the bathroom and he's joking about it and Rose says with a level of depth that is way out of line for somebody who's just been to the bathroom I missed you mm-hmm. you know she says it like wow I really missed you and now the fact that she almost overplays that line makes perfect sense I thought that was really well done I definitely enjoyed the scene between Jack and Locke in the in the baggage claim area. Oh yeah. Just the the tension, the you know, Locke tells Jack they didn't lose your father, they lost his body. Mm-hmm. And now seeing the finale, you know, like you said about Rose's line, that just that that line is fraught with symbolism now. And all, I think a lot of that is basically going to be true for season six. Some people think that a rewatch won't, you know, pay off now because of the flash sideways. I think that's going to be excellent. I think that'll be great to see all of these moments through that lens. Um, what Kate does, perhaps not the strongest episode this season, but also I think had some memorable moments. The best moment didn't have anything to do with Kate. It was all Sawyer. That scene on the pier between. Kate and Sawyer just I felt you know his turmoil I felt Josh Holloway's pain you know during in his performance I just thought that was an amazing scene absolutely one of a a very strong moment for someone on the cast who wasn't really much of an actor before he joined the show and really set up what Sawyer went through this entire season he was basically haunted so I think that set up well very powerful for me it was a Jack moment in this episode that really stood out where he basically says to Dogen all right, well, let's see where this takes us. And Mm -hmm. he pops the pill in his mouth and Dogen freaks out because it was a poison pill. I mean, but the fact that he does that, he has the guts to do that. He's willing to put his life on the line and basically push Dogen to reveal what's going on. I just thought that was a brilliant moment. And of course, the episode brought the return of Ethan, which Mm -hmm. was kind of cool. And now again, looking back, you know, he basically asks Claire, are you ready for this baby or not? And she says, she's not. But that's again, sort of sounds like she wasn't ready at that point to move on either. So all of that double meaning going on. 
on Ethan's there. my favorite other. He was, he was your favorite other. <laughs> and with all of the cameos that they brought back, I think he was definitely one of the better ones. Uh, the Substitute, a strong episode. I mean, for me, it just sort of, I don't know if there was a favorite moment, although it was the scene in the cave that stands out. It was, Sawyer, here are all your names. You are part of this bigger picture. You're part of a grand plan that I, the man in black, think is a load of hooey. You know, and I think just sort of that's where they sort of unpacked what was going on the island. So I thought that was a good moment for that episode. I loved Locke's funeral. It's the yeah. first time you ever see Ben at a loss for words. He genuinely does not know what to say. I mean, all he can say is that he thinks that Locke was a better man than he ever mm. was, mm. which is really an important moment. But I really, I don't know. It was great to see that kind of side of Ben that we see a little bit more of later in the season, but he's vulnerable and he doesn't know what to do. Of course. And he also says, I'm sorry that I murdered him. And right. so Frank goes, this is the weirdest funeral I've ever <laughs> been to, which is true. Um, the lighthouse. Well, much like the, uh, much like the substitute, I guess the big thing on the lighthouse was the lighthouse, you know, Jack freaking out and breaking the mirrors, which from a person's point of view, trying to find out mysteries and wanting to research down is about the last thing you would want him to do. But given Jack's state of mind and given his frustration at that point also i think was true to his character he he doesn't care anymore he's just frustrated that that happened. oh yeah that scene was ripe for a jack freak out i mean that was not really shocking to me at all yeah the thing that was shocking to me though was squirrel baby squirrel baby <laughs> that's right squirrel <laughs> baby was introduced in that episode very true and um he continues to come up later on people just give it that funny look that creeped out look and it just definitely sells um claire as being kind of off of her rocker but in terms of iconic props on lost i would say squirrel baby's definitely got to be on the short list in terms of name heck i'd take squirrel baby home but i might keep it in a box um <laughs> uh what was next oh dr linus one of my favorite episodes that, of this season. it was such a great episode to see that other side of ben to see ben have a good relationship with his father it would just made the entire season worthwhile for me and you know even though it was a ben episode the moment that got me out of my chair and Dr. Linus was Jack and Richard on the Black Rock and Richard wants to die and Jack says nope we cannot die our work is not done he lights the dynamite the tension rises I'm gripping the side of my chair and then the fuse goes out and Jack says want to try another stick yeah that's a great moment really great moment for Jack Um, anything else from that episode watching Ilana go from impotent mad psychopathic rage at Ben for killing Jacob Mm. to forgiveness that great line I'll have you to watch her just change over the course of the episode I really I really enjoyed that Um, I also really enjoyed the scene in Principal Reynolds office after you know Ben has that conversation with Alex and he blackmails Principal Reynolds and he's alone in Principal Reynolds office and that there's that moment where you wonder did he do the right thing or right. not? Did he sell out Alex yeah. to get the job in the end? And I agree with you. When he walks into the office alone and then Alex comes in looking for Principal Reynolds and Ben is there, you're like, oh, no, he didn't, he didn't. And then he didn't. I agree. Definitely a great moment in that episode. Um, Recon, I guess sort of the Sawyer episode, uh, not, in my view at least, a, a particularly strong episode. Did you pick out any memorable moments that shined there? Just Claire trying to kill Kate. Well, yeah, that's true. And Slade's <laughs> just sitting there and not doing anything and they're freaking out. And I kind of liked when Locke or Unlock says that ridiculous line, are, are you okay? And Kate's like, <laughs> I'm not okay. What kind of a question is that? So, okay, that's not bad. Um, but that leads us into 
a powerful episode, you know, Ab Eterno. I, I, I would almost pick the entire episode as a memorable or favorite scene, but if I had to force you to pick one or maybe two scenes from that episode, what did you like in Ab Eterno? Uh, let's see, the, the monster attack in the Black Rock. Oh, early on when he wipes out the, the whole crew and there's just the sounds and the shadows over from overhead and everything. Yeah, I, I actually felt like cheering. I mean, Part I don't normally monster. think of cheering for the smoke monster, but it was such a great scene. Yeah, and of course, it's a great Richard Alpert story. It was a great departure. The cinematography, the settings, everything was just beautifully done. Um, it all, for me, comes down to the scene at the end where Richard is finally reunited, in a way, with Isabella, that which was, was beautiful. beautiful. But that it required Hurley there as an intermediary, you know, to pass the messages back and forth. I mean, for the three of them, but definitely for Richard Alpert, um, definitely one of my favorite moments this season. Uh, my on my short list of favorite moments of the entire season has to be Sun's buttons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the buttons in the package where, you know, she basically, I mean, they tie it back to the very first confrontation we see with them, but it is a seductive move by Sun to basically reveal that they were in a relationship, a forbidden relationship, but a loving one nonetheless. I can still remember, and perhaps I shouldn't be saying this in front of you, but I can still remember the tingles <laughs> that I felt as she got took those buttons off. It was definitely a sexy scene. It was hot. All right, good. Well, I'm glad we're in agreement there. Um, Happily Ever After, definitely a wonderful episode. I think on your short, short list, to be sure. Oh, yes. Anything uh, in that, what epitomized to you what was so great about Happily Ever After? The images, the the emotion, the like, for instance, the image of Des in that box in front of the giant coil and oh, he's yeah. glowing. Yeah. Um, the scene between Desmond and Charlie in the car, the conversation between Desmond and Danny at the museum it was just all so emotionally resonant yeah I mean I agree the not Penny's boat to see that brought back again both you know reminding us about the loss of Charlie which was tough but to basically say there's something bigger going on here right down to the final line basically where Desmond says I need to show them something and you know at that point you're like all right bring it on what's going to happen here so definitely great moments there everybody loves hugo a kind of a light episode a, a, a brighter episode and why not because everybody does love hugo um his awakening came in that episode and that i think i would pick as a favorite in terms of bringing himself to get over the fact that this woman is in the mental institution and finding out more about her and then, you know, still doubting himself. Why would you be interested in me? And she says it's because I like you. And they have their date and they kiss and he flashes. And I don't know, it was very special because of the loose end that they had left when Libby was killed, doubly so. But I just thought it was definitely a great moment. I thought their relationship was really sweet and genuine. You can really feel that Libby is shy and tentative and Hurley's unsure and I you know I really it was really real for me yeah and it was very real sort of as real as their their characters were originally but the best out. moment of that episode of course is when Tesman runs down Locke oh that's that's one of the best like closing thud moments of any episode of Lost ever, ever. I, I don't think any of us saw that coming and even if they, they sort of anticipated something of that effect just seeing it depicted in terms of stunt in terms of timing in terms of everything it was spectacularly done I, I can still see it in my head you know Locke flying through the air and, and landing 
ending with a with a just awful wet thud on the pavement is is definitely a memorable. It's terrible moment. and beautiful at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that moves us to the last recruit. Um, I guess it was a, a decent episode. I think that that on the flash sideways really stood out for me because of Kate and Sawyer. They have that conversation in the police station, and they're flirty, and they're there. There's more tingling there. There's some real chemistry between those. But two they're also slightly antagonistic. It's not an entirely flirtatious oh, scene. You know, Kate obviously has something over Sawyer. But I think that's sort of in line with how they kind of came together on the island in the very first place. I mean, again, the mirroring is fantastic that they're antagonistic toward each other, but definitely still attracted to each other. I thought that that worked really well. So the flash sideways for me in The, the Last Recruit was, was, was definitely strong. And de- the scene between Desmond and Saeed in the well, you know, Desmond is trying to reason with Saeed into not killing him. And there's that moment where Saeed hesitates, you know, that that Desmond has connected with him somehow. Right, and that definitely gave you a little bit of hope for where Saeed's character might go. So I agree that w- that wasn't bad as all- at all. The next episode brought us the death of Sun and Jin. And it feels a little weird for me to put that on a list of most memorable or favorite moments, but it certainly is memorable. And it, it, it definitely, I think, had the strongest the most emotional wallop of anything in the season and almost perhaps for the entire series. I was spoiler free for this episode completely. So I was utterly speechless at the end and it's still makes me tear up a little just thinking about it, it. It was just awful. I mean, you know, say what you will about sort of how they almost became cartoonish looking for each other. We thought that the re- we complained about the reunion being yeah. so matter of fact. And then when we saw why, we really felt doubly bad. Um, definitely really well done. Um, I, I can't, I mean, it's Charlie is the immediate comparison, the loss of Charlie, but his death was foretold. If, yeah. yeah. They talked about it. They planned for it. They prepared for it. We as an audience got to prepare for it. The death of Sunday Jin was really the rug being ripped out from under us. I mean, yes, we lost Saeed as well, but I would say Sun and Jin definitely hurt quite a bit. The scene just before Sun and Jin die when they discover the bomb in Jack's backpack and they have to decide what to do. And Sawyer says, sorry, Doc, I can't trust you. Mm -hmm. I thought that definitely a great moment. I mean, it takes you straight back to the, the Black Rock scene with Jack and Alpert, but you it's weird because you know or you hope that Jack is right, but you do not hold anything against Sawyer for not trusting him either. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was there was no good guy or bad guy in that moment. They were both in an impossible situation. And I, I would say just that whole sequence on the submarine was really well done in terms of getting your blood pressure up, getting you on the edge of your seat um, all together. I mean, that whole last segment, I would say, I guess, is pretty much a great moment. Then that brings us to Across the Sea. And I don't know. It was definitely a, a, a daring episode. They kind of went in the abeternal way. Let's take us out of where we were and tell a completely different story. I really give them credit for what they tried to do. I understand better now what the point was, but the execution was just tricky for me. I, was there anything in Across the Sea that you liked a lot? Titus Welliver. Yeah, okay. That's that's fair. Um, I le- well, the conversation with him and Jacob, and you know, um, where they're basically kind of talking about man and being good or bad. But Titus, I gotta admit, you know, Titus Welliver and um, Jacob, the the guy who Mark plays Pellegrino. Jake, Mark Pellegrino, it's it's the nature of their characters. But I did see sort of uh, Luke Skywalker slash Han Solo thing going on there. One right. is supposed to be the 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 hero, but is a little 
whiny, a little naive. I mean, I guess they're both sort of stunted adolescents, but for whatever reason, you know, the Man in Black's character is more cool. Maybe that just says something about us. But <laughs> any scene that he was in, I thought was good. I liked when he says, you know, well, I'm sorry I asked about her. You know, he's just sort of just sort of flippant and, and, and dark that way. I thought that was great. I enjoyed Allison Janney a lot. I think you maybe did. I enjoyed her more than you did. I well, Okay, As we going into that episode, we're huge fans of Allison Janney. And I did say that they couldn't have given that role to anyone more lightweight than her. I couldn't think of anyone else you would want in there better than her. It was, no, it'd be a pretty I can't short really think list. of anyone. But still, I mean, some of the things that she had to say, some of the... She, and because she's so recognizable to me, I thought that was a little distracting. But she was a high point for you. Absolutely. All right. So Titus Welliver and uh, Alice and Janney are, are our favorite moments in a way for Across the Sea. And um, then we come back to our regular story. And we've got what they died for. What does, what did, what did in what did they die for would you put on the short list? Ben and Rousseau in a love connection. <laughs> True. Uh, definitely a great moment. I mean, I like that the way that Ben responds to finding out that, uh, you know, Alex has a soft spot for him and he gets sort of teary-eyed. And But yeah, the love connection is great, too, because of the way that Rousseau says in an almost dirty way, you know, I'll just use next less onions next time. You know, it's not just sort of a, a, a cute little flirt. It's it somehow she delivers it well enough that I at least I kind of read into it. Again, that darker side or that's that sneaker sent more sensual side of her character, especially when you consider one of the last scenes that Ben and Rousseau had together is Ben saying something about my daughter and, and Rousseau clocks him and right. says she's not your daughter. Exactly. I, and, and right or right down to, you know, you want to help me tie him up, you know, that, that, that Danielle and Alex had bonded previously yeah. over tying up Ben. And, and that's where they came to. So a great moment there. And that brings us finally to the end and many, many memorable scenes here got any favorites the opening montage is just so beautiful i've watched it over and over again just the opening montage just the music and and the way that their scenes of everybody stitched together it's it's so beautiful it's the most moving scene I think, in the entire um, episode. Well, I, I would say that was strong, too. I mean, again, Keys to Lost, uh, Matt's podcast, he, he was able to extract the music from the scene and remove most of the dialogue so we could just enjoy the music. So that that melody, which he calls the arrival in LAX, you know, melody is definitely stuck in my head. That is what I hear when I go to bed sometimes. So I would agree. That's definitely a memorable start to the episode. But the whole episode had great moments. I, I think we'd sort of have to put on the list all of the awakenings, you know, basically, the, the unfortunately, for some people, the clip show, the musical montage that reminds us of where our characters have been. I fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Um, did you have any favorite awakenings out of all of the awakenings? It's got to be Sawyer and Juliet. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That one just gets me every time that, again, Josh Holloway and Elizabeth Mitchell, too, I mean, Josh Holloway, again, acting very well. Elizabeth Mitchell, a favorite actress of ours. Oh, yes. They show the agony as they're in that you know at this at the vending machine they they have this ag agony of what happened to them on the island but still it's romantic and beautiful you know it worked uh let's go dutch just everything worked out there that is a great one i liked um sun and gin's awakening you know specifically that they suddenly speak english and elizabeth mitchell mentions it and that they both know that it's a girl and that it has a name and and just somehow i thought that that was definitely also one of my favorite awakenings the cliffside fight, just the cinematography, just the way it was put together, it was 
definitely the best fight battle type sequence that we've seen on the show period yeah i mean we you compared it to ridley scott and sort of gladiator yeah. i mean people have already made jokes about it it's, it's like jack's you know dragon kung fu punch and it's it it but it was iconic it was for for the episode altogether had all of the pieces that I want and then that included action and that scene definitely a great one I thought that uh, the the scene with the plane taking off you know as as incredible and unrealistic as that was was to me perfect because you remember sort of the first time our our losties got off the island you know with the flash sideways I mean the first flash forward it it wasn't something that was really triumphant it was almost you know like I think Jack realized something wrong about the way we got off the island that time so this escape from the island on a Jira 316 felt like the scene we were waiting for before the end of season three you know we're thinking how is this whole story going to end they're going to get off the island what is that going to be like and no it's not slinking off on a boat it's not coming up with a lie and trying to live a lie off the island it is a triumphant escape on a plane i just thought that was you know not to overuse a word a beautiful scene it gave us the exodus theme which we had with the raft way back in season one right but this it actually worked or at least we're led to believe it works and that hope is enough for me to love that moment I love finding out that Vincent is not, in fact, the dog of doom. <laughs> Everyone loves Vincent. And as, as many people pointed out, and as we did in our podcast from ages ago, Vincent was the character that was only the only one promised to make it to the end. And he does, in <laughs> fact, does. survive into the end. And, you know, any animal lover and certainly any dog lover just could not help but melt when Vincent comes and lies down next to Jack. And just that last scene, that, was, that's perfect. Yeah, it was, it was a, perfect. A wonderful scene. Um, I... But the fact that they sort of set up on the flash sideways how things were going to go, I mean, we I would say that the moment where Jack says, because I'm dead or because I'm dead too or, or something like that, yeah. that's, a, that's a memorable moment, but it's it, it, it definitely is almost too jarring to say it was a favorite. But some of the moments in the flash sideways, um, again, from um, the end were great. It was wonderful to see the real John Locke outside the church. We've hmm. seen John Locke be not Locke for the last two seasons. And to finally see Locke be himself was a relief to me. Yeah, and of course he forgives Ben for everything, for everything that happened to Locke that he's willing to let go there. Definitely a beautiful moment. Of course, you know, Ben and 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 uh, Hurley saying you were a great number one, you were a great number two. Again, the possibilities in your mind as for what that could bring, just that hope, that 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 opening is is so tantalizing that I definitely loved it as well. Well, that's a lot of favorite moments from season six. And again, it was a much longer list than I thought. And after going through it, it definitely raised my you know estimation of the season as a whole. We talked, though, that season six is about characters. And while we've gone on for quite a bit, it, it seems almost in, incomplete to necessarily just pick a favorite character or just the short list or the stars of the show. So let's try a roll call. Mm -hmm. Basically, in season six, how did these folks turn out? And are you happy with that or not? And we'll start with Jack. I mean, this was pretty much a Jack season. Jack went from skeptic to somebody who is just going along for the ride and not really sure what was going to happen next to somebody who really believed. And you can argue that Lost was all about Jack. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm okay with that because 
I loved seeing the evolution of Jack's character. Well, this was definitely his season. I think that he turned out great when he jumped off the boat. I just had a great deal of respect for him, and I like how it turned out. He wasn't the obvious choice, but he did do the most important thing, perhaps, to move on to the next cycle. Kate, we've been rough on Kate, but I think we're both on the same page here. We thought she turned out great here. Well, we were rough on Kate because she became just a point on a love triangle, and this season she got past that. She changed. Motherhood changed her. The situation she found herself in changed her. And she became a fully realized person, I think, this season. Yeah, I mean, she's basically kick-ass Kate once again. The, the the Kate that we really wanted to see more of from the first couple of seasons was back. You know, I saved you a bullet. What else could be perfect for her? I mean, again, I think Kate turned out great. Locke, you had mentioned that we had only seen sort of unlock this season. I personally liked it because it was another opportunity for Terry O'Quinn to show his acting chops. He was playing a darker character, and I thought it was great. Oh, yeah, he's going to win an Emmy for sure. Absolutely, even though we did get a picture of the old Locke, the original Locke. Sawyer, this season... I'm not sure. I mean, I think that Josh Hawley did a great job, but how his character turned out, it wasn't quite a strong finish for me. What did you think? He lost everything this season. He lost his girlfriend. He lost his life in the Dharma Initiative. So he really was haunted this Mm. season. He was not a hero and you know i don't know how i feel about that yeah i mean he did come to support his friends and he left with kate and that that was all nice but when you think back to this this, the the sawyer of of season five i definitely kind of miss that guy hurley um hey what can you say everybody loves the guy and uh he's in charge now one of the greatest things ever was the stupid grin he had in his face upon fetching charlie yeah absolutely and we always knew that he was key to the game like australia so that kind of works out so definitely good for him saeed he spent the entire season mostly as a zombie and that was actually a little frustrating for me well, I'm glad that Saeed found redemption he really deserved it but yeah it was frustrating that we couldn't really see Saeed as he was yeah he wasn't playing haunted he wasn't playing somebody tortured he was basically playing dead dead yeah zombie exactly so unfortunately that is that was sort of how it turned out for him despite his final twist um, Claire what can I say I thought Crazy Claire was better. I liked Crazy Claire better than Original Recipe Claire. All I can think of is how bad that wig must itch. True. That's true. But, I mean, I think she played it well. And um, the only frustration, I think, is that she we don't see her reunited with Aaron, which has been her you know objective since almost the very beginning. She didn't see the specific goal that had been set up for her. That's true. Um, who's next? Charlie. Well, Charlie came back like in season one, and uh, I thought he was fun. I mean, he basically was the rock star diva for the most part, and that was fun. I felt like I was watching his character on Flash Forward. Oh, little. Simon. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe that's just sort of how uh, uh, Dominic Monaghan acts. I'm not sure. I, but again, I, I thought it was good to see him again. He does do diva, drugged up stoner very well. So good to see him again. Sun and Jin, our favorite characters to some extent, especially coming into the show. I mean, you look at how far they've come and they had the roughest loss, you know, the greatest death. So, I mean, I think that they things turned out good for them as characters, if not, you know, good for them in terms of the story. I like them better as a secret couple than as a married couple. Yeah, I mean, you know, I need to find my wife, I need to find my husband. We picked on that. But uh, yeah, the way that they were, again, the buttons. I just can't get over the buttons, oh, I yeah. think. Um, ben, Ben's character arc, I like that in this season, he was ambiguous to the end. Even like in the last three episodes, I thought he switched sides three more times. I could not figure out where he was. 
I love that. I love that we can't pin Ben down. Yeah, and uh, but I do think that they gave him still the redemption that we wanted. That you know he did get his revenge on Widmore. He did have that weakness, but you know he apologizes to Locke, and uh, again he does the right thing. So I like that. Um, Desmond comes back, and I don't know. I think they've basically cemented Desmond as um, one of the most important characters in this show. He brought everybody together, and he's kind of served that purpose. If you really think about it, he's served that purpose all along. Yeah, and I, I just everything from on the Flash sideways in particular. I would say, you know, I like that he was sort of this globe-trotting, um, dapper, you know, wealthy person working for Widmore. But eventually, he goes on a mission, and right down to the A-team style, busting everyone out of prison. <laughs> and here's your dress, and we're going to a concert. I just absolutely loved it. Um, but uh, Whitmore, you know, one of his nemesis is Nemesi. Nemesis. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, how he turned out. I, I I'm still unclear on what Whitmore's point was. I was prepared to find out what he was either way, and if he had turned out to be only after the island for his own ends, that would have been great. I don't like that we don't really know who he was. Well, you know, I was prepared for him to be one of the big baddies. In fact, it would make more sense for me, like you said, if he was after the island for his own gains and as a result of that greed was in service of the man in black. But instead, I guess he was working for the good guy. But, you know, again, that just felt a little strange for me. Um, Richard Alpert, one of our favorite characters, I think that uh, he had a great turn this season because he was previously mysterious and all-knowing. Here he got to explore confusion, vulnerability, being lost. And I thought that was great. I was really thinking that Alpert would turn out to be older, but I still... Older than 200 years old? Yeah, I mean, there was so much Egyptian mythology talk ah, that like I really thousands thought... thousands of years old. Yeah, but still, his backstory was great. Yeah, and I, I like that he ends up mortal, that he's, you know, that he's not going to be immortal. That he, And he specifically, the line where he says was, I know what it feels like, that I, I know I want to live now, and how important it is to face mortality, to enjoy life. I thought that was great for him. Miles... I don't know, Miles, I mean, at least we have a Freddy that survives. I mean, that certainly is not, you know, insignificant, but I don't know what happened with him this season. He They just sort of dropped his special ability, really, for the most part, and he just kind of filled in where Sawyer and Hurley couldn't make the wisecracks anymore. To see them drop his special power was really confusing because this was something that could have caused a lot of conflict. It could have answered a lot of questions. And so I'm a little frustrated with the way Miles went. Yeah, I think it's just that they couldn't use him at the same time as Hurley, and his role was obviously much more pay important to pay off. I do like that he has, you know, he has faith in nothing but duct tape, so I, I, I see sort of <laughs> kinship there. And of course, you know, the fact that he gets off the island of all the people that you were going to pick on the short list to survive the island, Miles yeah, would not have been my guess. Been him, so I'm glad they surprised me that way. How about Frank piloting the plane off the island, and we thought Frank was dead, and we were mad that nobody mourned him, and he's alive. Well, we really need comic relief on this show it was not hurley <laughs> yeah hurley kind of went in a different direction so we needed somebody to say all the really great funny lines and frank was you know as, as good a person as they need to be I that yes I, I just think that he was a little too funny sometimes and i think that he had a lot of potential for for something deeper i don't know what um but again i mean I, i'm at least glad that we got to know frank better from from when we were first introduced to him now this season also brought in a couple of new characters uh, and we'll just sort of jump through them we got dogan and we've got lennon in the temple all of which didn't stick around for long. Dogen could have been so important. He could have been the new Echo, you know, hmm. who has a deeper wisdom. But then they kill him off. And I don't, you know, that, that was really frustrating. And then you have Lennon, who obviously questions Dogen's authority, but we don't really know why. And none of that really 
gets resolved yeah, in I, a meaningful way. I'm not sure about Lennon. I couldn't ever take him seriously, but Dogen, I agree. I like that you said he could have been the new Echo. He did have that weight. He did have that gravity. He did have something greater and mysterious about him. It's all up to Hiroyuki Sonata, and he he's did a great. good actor. Um, so yeah, I mean, kind of a lost opportunity. I would agree there. Um, well, speaking of lost opportunities, how about Ilana? Kablumi Lana. She got artsed. In, <laughs> in, in, in a way, she's like the exact opposite of arts. How so? Well, she's female. Well, yes. And well, she's sexy. Well, and she seemed to be important. She, I, yeah. ble- I bought her connection with Jacob. I bought that she wanted to protect our candidates, but she fails to do even that, you know? So she has incomplete information and she blows herself up because she's she's careless or something. I definitely think that Ilana was a lost opportunity. I would have loved to have seen more of her, and I'd have to say, I'd have to, I'd been happy to see less of Zoe. Where, where oh, are you on God. Zoe? What the hell was Zoe? <laughs> well, Zoe was the henchman. Zoe was the number two to Widmore, and I guess they but needed that. She did. Didn't do anything that Widmore could not have done himself. I suppose. I guess Alan Dale wasn't available. I don't, I don't know. I mean, she definitely played someone who's out of her element well. I'm not sure if I bought her as a scientist, but in terms of surprising deaths, I'll, I'll give them credit at least for that. Um, this season brought Rose and Bernard back. Um, you, we were talking leading up to their sudden return that you know maybe they were important because they never engaged, because they never played along. Yeah. And I think that fits into the letting go. And I think yeah. they've always been that way. Yeah, they took themselves out of the whole game very early. And I believe that really is evident in the scene where we see them in, in their own little village, basically. Right. So, you know, I'm glad to have them come back. I was glad that Vincent was with them. All of those little things, nice touches. Is there anyone else that I'm missing? Juliet! Uh, oh, okay, so, well, we only saw Juliet at the very beginning and the very ending, but yeah. for her appearances, well, how did you think she worked out for season six? Beautifully, just to see her and Sawyer reunited in whatever way they were reunited made me happy. Yeah, I mean, we mourned for her second death at the start of the season, and we cheered for her reunification with Sawyer at the end. I I think she's a great place to end this conversation in the sense that she bookends the season very well. Very well. Well, before we wrap up our thoughts, I I did force you to do the impossible, and I did the same for myself. And I wanted you to name your top three episodes of season six. And I think there were many to like. So starting with number three, where are you going to start? The Candidate. You like The Candidate. Why? I like it despite the submarine scene. And because of the submarine scene, the tension building up to the whole thing that goes down in the submarine was just brilliant. Just an off-island Jack digging around to find out what he finds out. I, yeah. I loved it. I, that's a strong episode. That'd be on my short list. My number three would be the end. I mean, the season finale. Uh, there's a lot to love about it. I mean, there was a lot to complain for some folks, but I liked it a lot. It's definitely on my short list. Um, just how everything came together, specifically, like you said, sort of the flash sideways, all of the pieces coming together. That just had my, my blood pumping, my heart going. I definitely liked it. It had all the elements, action, romance, mystery, you know, drama, action. Um, so all together, just a great package. And of course, I mean, it wouldn't be a great episode of Lost if there wasn't a twist at the end mm-hmm. that made us all yell and that certainly definitely was the case with the end. My number two is Abby Turno mm. because it's epic and beautiful and Richard is was such an enigma that to learn more about him was was great. Yeah, it definitely made him more human and more relatable and, and added sort of a greater understanding to how he fit into everything. I would say my number two would be Dr. Linus. I just thought it was a great exploration of Ben's character, one of my favorite characters of the whole series. Um, you had, you know, instead of a great power struggle for control of the island, it was a tiny little power struggle over a high school. Mm-hmm. But just sort of how that played out, like you mentioned, when you think that he makes the wrong call, but he makes the right one, that redemption is great. Ilana's for 
forgiveness of him. All of it worked together. I just love Dr. Linus as, as a package. But that brings us to now you must declare your favorite episode of all of season six. Happily ever after. Hmm. For all the reasons I've already stated, it's just a mind bender and it was beautifully shot and beautifully acted. Yeah, Desmond episodes are always going to be on everyone's shortlist, I think, and it definitely didn't disappoint. We were looking forward to it and it gave us what we wanted. He moved between the Flash Sideways and the Island World in a way that was fluid and exciting, and I agree. That would definitely be on my shortlist as well. My number one was Ab Eterno, my favorite episode, because it took great risks. Like you said, that's why you like season six. Well, Ab mm-hmm. Eterno was the writers of Lost taking a great risk, and in that case, paying off. The story, the acting, the cinematography, the music, everything all together. It didn't feel like Lost. And so in that case, it was brilliant Lost. So that's my favorite. That was our favorite moments, how our characters fared, favorite episodes of season six. But as we've somehow managed to talk our way almost to fill an entire hour here, I think it's time to get to you You all, all, everybody. Hi, Maya and Jen. It's Lara from Maryland. Um, here's quickly my top five moments uh, from season six. Uh, number five, uh, the sexy times unbuttoning scene with Jen and Son in the package. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, number four, Locke falling on the grass uh, out of his van uh, as the sprinklers turned on. I think it's the first time we see him really letting go, and uh, it's just amazing. Um, three, Locke and Ben's moment outside the church. Uh, Dr. Linus is finally Ben in that scene, and that, I mean, there's no words for that, uh, that scene. Um, number two, uh, there's a moment in the final seconds of the show, uh, when the light starts to fill the church, and, and Jack kind of looks up, and the expression on his face, you know, however you feel about that last scene, um, it's, it's, it's just beautiful, gorgeous. Uh, number one is Alana forgiving Ben. Um, there's, you know, another scene where there's no words for it. Uh, you know, I've never really felt my heart break as violently watching a TV show as I did when I saw that scene. Um, I should just give Emerson all the Emmys ever, forevermore. Uh, all right. Um, hope you guys are doing well and have a great rest of your, rest of your weekend. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Have a great one. Bye. We started things off with a great top five list there from Lara. That's a Lara. great list, and I totally forgot about Locke taking a spill onto the lawn. Yeah, laughing at himself. Definitely a great moment. Next up, calls from John, Matt, and Jeremy. Hey, Ron and Jen, what's up? Uh, John from North Carolina. Uh, I really liked the season overall. It was um, some parts that didn't really feel final season to me, but um, here are just a few things I want to add to y'all's uh, podcast. Um, my favorite episode... Uh, had to be Abiturno. It was just a great, great story, great self-contained episode. Really, it matches up with the concept pretty well. It was just a great thing to watch. Um, uh, I also like Lighthouse. I thought Lighthouse was a great, like, character thing for Jack. Um, the Lighthouse was really cool, the mirror thing. And um, I thought that was the first time where I actually cared about the Flash Sideways ever before then, I was just like, eh, I don't know where this is going. But after then, I sort of accepted it and actually liked it. And uh, everything from episode 13 to the finale uh, was great. Uh, it was very final season. It was the final season I wanted in those last episodes. I really like how the flash side was turned out. I really like how they ended it. And uh can't wait to hear what y'all think and uh, what everybody else thinks. But, uh, yeah, that's just my two cents. And uh, talk to y'all later. 
Ryan and Jen, it's Matt from St. Louis, and calling in my favorite episode or moment. I think my favorite episode or moment for season six has to be Abiturno, and specifically that whole conversation between Richard and Jacob at the beach. I just thought that was awesome. Uh, it was a big reveal at the time, I thought, and I was totally blown away by that whole episode, but that, that moment will stick out in my mind as being a, a point of revelation for season six. Thanks so much, guys. Wish you luck in your future podcasting ventures, and uh, stay lost. Bye. Hey, Ryan and Jen. It's Jeremy in Rochester. I uh, wanted to call with my favorite episode and favorite moment from the past season, the final season of Lost. And I'd have to say my favorite episode was probably Happily Ever After. It was probably the strongest episode as people were beginning to wake up and then looking back from the uh, <clears throat> from what the point of the sideways was, it really was a great episode that opened our eyes to uh, what the possibility for the sideways was. And my favorite moment was a Sun and Jin moment, and the one, the one that got me the most uh, this season, and that was actually in the finale. And it wasn't their death, you know, obviously, uh, but it was in the finale when they both were awakened. I guess that's the best way to put it the sideways when they saw their their child and it got really dusty in my living room while I was watching it. It was just a beautiful moment and that's a tie also with when Jin saw the camera from Widmore with the photos of his child on it and I, I guess maybe because I'm a dad uh, I completely related to that that moment of of sensitivity I guess you'd call it. So yeah, those are my favorite moments and my favorite episode from this past season. Thank you again for the transmission, and I can't wait to hear Pop Spotting. Talk to you soon. Bye. Mahalo for those calls. Well, our good friend John calling in and definitely fell in love with the Flash Sideways by Lighthouse, but he and Matt liked Ab Eterno. Definitely, I would say, a top pick from a lot of our listeners. But um, the conversation with Jacob on the beach and Richard, I think... Part of me still thinks that we as fans might have been able to piece together what we needed to know about the island's history just from that episode without Across the Sea. But, you know, Across the Sea definitely helped for a lot of people as well. Jeremy enjoyed Happily Ever After, which is my favorite. And as a mom, any scenes of of kids or things involving kids always get me. Absolutely. I think Daniel Day Kim was great. Just acting in that scene with his eyes alone was fantastic. Next up, Maggie, Amber, and Dawn. Hi, Ryan and Jen. Uh, this is Maggie from Northern Virginia. Um, if I have to pick a favorite moment of season six, I think it may have to be Juliet and Sawyer in the Flash Sideways. I was really excited to see that, and that was just awesome. Or it might have to be the Black Rock um, and Harley blowing up the Black Rock. Is that more than one? I don't know. There's, it's too hard to pick. There's so many of them. Um, so... Yeah, I just really enjoy. I did enjoy season six, so there are a lot of great ones. Um, I can't um, can't think of any more at the moment, but seeing the Black Rock and um, how Richard came out of Black Rock was awesome too, and it's smashing into the statue. So those are just a few. Um, thanks, guys, for all that you do. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Ryan and Jen, it's Amber from Utah. Um, I just have to say my favorite moment from season six at least that I can think of off the top of my head, was when Sun and Jin were in the hospital seeing the ultrasound of their baby and they remembered 
everything, and it totally made me cry, and I loved it. Anyways, I'm sad the show's over, but I can't, still can't wait to hear your thoughts on it again. See ya. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Donna Watt. How are you? I don't think I've ever called your podcast before. I guess I, it's it's time I did that before it's too late. Um, my favorite moment from season six, hands down, is when that woman said that she only picked one name for her kid, and you knew Man in Black had no name. That was awesome. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for those calls. Well, Maggie liked the Julian and Sawyer Awakening. Definitely great, but seemed to have a hard time making up her mind what she liked. And I think we were pretty much in the same boat. Oh, yeah. Definitely a fan of the Black Rock, and I can certainly go for that as well. Amber's with me about the Sun Engine ultrasound. Yeah. You know, like I said, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Parents, I, I think, have some extra strings that can be pulled. And Dawn, she loved the fact that the mom couldn't think of another name. I guess that was great in the sense that it's sort of like a poke in the eye. I mean, so <laughs> if you're a fan of the Three Stooges, that was great. I don't know about that one. Let's but, call him Curly. Yeah, we can call him whatever we want, <laughs> frankly. Next up, Matt and Jeff. What's up, Ryan? This is Matt, the Hummer tour guide. I thought I'd chime in and tell you my favorite episode and moment. Um, I have to say my favorite episode is probably Abiturno Richard's episode. I just keep going back to that. You know, it was just so epic and um, very beautifully told and the music from Giacchino and everything. My favorite moment is probably when Alana blew up because I think that moment just caught me off guard and I wasn't expecting it. I actually jumped out of my chair saying, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, man, I hope you're doing well, and I'll text you later. <laughs> All right, take it easy. I love Lost. Go Lost. Hey, Ryan and Jen. This is Jeff calling from Northern California. Uh, I just wanted to call in and let you know my favorite moment in Season 6. So mine was uh, when Desmond uh, ran over Locke uh, when he was in the wheelchair. I mean, that was just so shocking, and... I was actually hoping for something like that in the finale. Um, so I have a quick question for you. Like, how would you have taken it if um, if the if loss would have ended with open answers, something like the end of season three, something that just totally blew your mind, and yet it didn't answer anything? You, like, you were left wondering what happened. Just wanted to know uh, how you'd take that. Thanks a lot. Bye. Mahalo for those calls. Hey, it's great to hear from Matt for the first time. He's uh, right here on the island. If you come out here and still want to take a tour, look into the Ed Cause Hummer Tours and ask for Matt. Absolutely. Great guy. And he loved Abiturno as well. He liked when when Ilana blew up. And I guess, again, if you go for the shock <laughs> value, that was on that short list. Yeah. Now, Jeff, um, you know, Desmond running over Locke, another shocking woman. But his question is kind of uh, intriguing to me. If Lost Season 6 ended like with the flash forward at the end of Season 3 and then that was it for the series if it was that open would you have been satisfied with that i don't know a little ambiguity might have been more interesting it might have sparked a lot more discussion i i think i could have lived with that yeah i mean at first i thought that he was sort of criticizing season six as being as ambiguous at the as the end of season three but in fact he was saying that he thought that it could have you know didn't have to be as definitive and closed as it was a lot of people like the closed loop i like the closed loop but i would also agree with you if it wasn't completely explicitly spelled out that this is the afterlife we're all dead um if there was a little more ambiguity about what happened on the island i would have liked that i do think that we did get a piece of that kind of ambiguity though with the you know you were a great number one and you were a great number two that mm-hmm. there was a, there is a story yet to be told well i do want to close with three more lost line calls that kind of basically close out our discussion of the finale itself we hear now from jacob adam and heath hey this is jacob in minneapolis and uh first time caller long time listener um 
I was just listening to the most recent podcast, and um, you're talking about how you believe that eventually the island will be underwater and that and that the flash sideways is a world that we will see eventually. What I got from it, I thought that it was actually a hugely significant uh, clue to what the island is. Um, what we saw is that there exist two worlds in our life. One is this world with the island, and the other is the world without the island. And so the world without the island is death, and that somehow the island is is a sort of barrier between life and death like with once the cork is pulled then then it those two worlds come crashing together and i think i think that when desmond goes down there and pulls the cork he seems very confident at first that he's just that everybody's just going to die and they're going to go to death but then he flips out at the end that, that part was really bone chilling when he screamed no it seemed like he realized something and what i think it is is that the island has to be there in order to keep the two worlds apart you need that that separation between life and death you need that balance uh but yeah that was what i got from it let me know what you guys think thanks a lot Hey, Transmission. This is Adam from Texas again. Just wanted to call in response to your last show. Really enjoyed it. I loved your um, further in-depth review of the finale and agreed with you guys. 100% except for, well, almost 100% except for one point. I think you guys were mentioning that you thought Jack flashed on Kate when I very much disagree because I think what was happening is Jack was starting when he operated on lock. He flashed a little bit of hatch. And he kind of shook it off. And the same thing, he flashed a little bit more with Kate. But I clearly think that she fully flashed when he touched his father's coffin. He was in the same room with his, his father made him flash and wake up. Because he still wasn't woken up after he um, saw Kate because he didn't know he was dead when he walked in that room. It was only his father that made him realize he was dead. So that's when he really woke up. It wasn't Kate. So, um, But definitely think that. Um, and I love your show and can't wait for the final episode. It's going to be sad, but... Um, it's been a great journey with you guys, and I've loved watching it. I couldn't have experienced the show half as much as you guys. So, um, yeah, um, big fun. Bye. Ryan and Jen, it's your friend Heath from the Lost Revisited Now podcast. Uh, you were the first podcast I ever called before I started podcasting, so I figure I make my last call to you guys. Uh, I loved the end. I realized we didn't get certain questions, but... I expected that, and I realized it was more character-centric. But I do, I did like in the finale the throwbacks to old lines and old things like when Sawyer's leaving and he says to Kate, you know, take the fun out of telling you not to come and little character things like that. And, of course, seeing another life, brother, means so much more. Uh, Jack and Vincent at the end in the bamboo forest, amazing. Just Wow, it's going to be interesting. I am going to take a long break to let it sit in that it's over. But, uh, man, I uh, it was a great journey, and I really enjoyed listening to you guys, as I said before. And uh, from the mainland, we want to say thank you. You guys really changed a lot of our lives in examining this amazing show. So aloha, mahalo, and namaste. Thanks for those calls. Well, what did you think about Jacob's explanation of the island being at the bottom of the ocean? 
That's a really good way to put it. I like it a lot better that it's, you know, the world without the island is death. You know, the island was life. Much better than us basically assuming that some joker would eventually pull the plug on the island and sink <laughs> it maybe when Hurley was there. Definitely a great way to put it. Thanks, Jacob. And Adam, I just wanted to share his call because a lot of people called in and wrote in with that correction. You know, we kind of picked on, why did Jack have to be awakened by Kate? And as it turns out, no, he wasn't. He was awakened by many people and Kate was just one of them. I think it just stuck out in my mind. Because, because Jack was why is this happening to yeah, me? Yeah, he seemed it's to be the first most, time he most conscious it. of it, at least. Um, but uh, actually, I should point out that Jacob in Minneapolis called back to make the same correction, but pointed out that he thought it was fitting that it took like three or four people to wake up Jack, because of course, he's a stubborn SOB, and of course, it would take <laughs> that many. But again, we stand corrected. Definitely a good point. And finally, great to hear, again, sort of bookending our podcast here, hear once again from Heath, a fellow podcaster. I'm glad Heath enjoyed it. Absolutely. I, he, his, his opinion was certainly one I was curious about. About. A lot of great moments that he points out, um, and I'm glad. And as he says, I'm glad to have been a part of the Lost Community, to building the Lost Podcasting Network, which was a great way to put us all together in one boat. You could basically have a 24-hour Lost channel, and actually, that was started right before. And I think we knew at that point that we would stop podcasting. So, in a selfish way, I just kind of wanted a way to bring them all together. But I love what Heath said about the show and about how the community changed our lives, brought us all together. And I certainly hope to hear more stories like that, and hopefully from other podcasters as well with our last show of the transmission at the end of the month. Um, I do want to slip in a few more mentions of Lost Line callers. We heard from Sean in Los Angeles who had the connection between Lost and the Lost Horizon book series. He has a lot to say and if you want to check it out it's at his blog at theislandofshangrila.blogspot.com Deborah from North Carolina was pretty much bothered by the unanswered questions. She, like Soko on the blog, basically said that she'd trade all of the Flash sideways time for more answers and time on the island, and certainly not alone there. Rich in Cleveland, a longtime commenter, also felt that they needed another season to basically get to what they didn't, but still felt that season six was the best season since season three, and mm -hmm. I might agree there, except for season four. And uh, Terry from Michigan um, thought it was a great season, but uh, still convinced and somewhat confused by the Flash sideways, concerned that there's something more there and we'll have to rewatch because I don't think he's alone. Yeah. But all that said, let's get to some of the comments that came in from the blog and via email. Lyle writes, I actually had three favorite episodes from season six. Happily Ever After was probably right at the top for my all-time favorites for the entire series. I just love the revelations and the interactions between characters that just made you know things are about to get turned on their head and something big was coming. What they died for was an episode that I got to see several scenes from it being filmed while in Hawaii this past March. And LAX was the episode I got to watch for the first time on the beach at Waikiki, surrounded by thousands of other lost fans. That was the ultimate episode. And that fantastic weekend made it not only one of my most enjoyable times in Hawaii, but also one of my all-time favorite episodes of Lost. Definitely great picks. It was great to meet Lyle and his oh, wife, yeah. and certainly seeing stuff here in Hawaii makes it a little extra special. Jonine from Arizona writes, My favorite episodes, The Substitute, because John Locke is one of my favorite characters, and it was amazing to see how far he has come since Walkabout. Lighthouse, because of Jack. Introducing David as his son was an amazing twist, and seeing Jack find happiness in fatherhood was a perfect way to resolve his daddy issues. And Ab Eterno was one of my top episodes of the season. For a side character to get a whole episode to himself was a big risk, but it paid off. It had it all. Mythology, romance, and pulled at the heartstrings at the end. Also, the music was amazing this season. Yeah, it was. Gwen writes, my favorite scene this season, Ben's reaction to Ilana telling him she'd have him. 
This utilized one of my favorite themes of loss so very well, redemption, and that's when we saw the beginning of Ben's redemption. After that, our first glimpse of the temple. I know it sounds cheesy, but it lived up to the hype as far as construction and the feel of it. Finally, I would have to say Hurley's awakening. I was just a puddle when he finally remembered, and Desmond's awakening was pretty intense, too. Absolutely. I should mention that Tim from London wrote in and was also very happy with Ben's redemption and specifically said if you added in the the scene where Ben gets teary-eyed over being a father figure to Alex, that makes just sort of Ben's character study, especially in The Flash Sideways, one perfect story. Chris in Seattle writes, I felt Sawyer's redemption was impressive. Seeing him come to stand where Jack had, in which he made a mistake and people died, was amazing. In that moment, he let go of Juliet and forgave Jack. It was such a long way away from the Sawyer of season one. He was the outsider when he began. We got to watch him grow to become an insider and then a leader. Finally, he became someone who could forgive. It was remarkable. It was what the whole season was about transcendence. To me, that's what the series was about. Brend Pian writes, the stories in season six were good, but it was not on par at all with any of the other seasons. Maybe it was the fact that they tried to answer so many questions instead of dropping any bombs on us. There wasn't any wow factor in this season like there was in season two for me. I love the reveal of the hatch and the Apple II computer. Yeah, I'm a big geek. So for me, season two was the best. Melissa in Cleveland writes, Overall, this final season is my second favorite to season one, but Lost is so personal to me that I will forgive just about any misstep. There was no way the writers could have ruined things for me coming into this final season. Knowing the truth of the Flash sideways now felt so perfect. While I secretly hoped that I was witnessing some reward for the suffering that was initiated by Jacob and the Man in Black, I feel like I sort of got the happy ending I was hoping for. I have to say that I loved both Jack and Kate in this last season just as I love them throughout. In the end, I feel that Lost ranks up there with the Lord of the Rings for epic beautiful storytelling. Myra writes, through season 6 I was so anxious every episode, worried about tying up loose ends. I feel like the Temple Others and Dogen were a waste of time. So were Ilana and Zoe. I wish the Zoe character was more irritating so I could have cheered when Locke killed her. (laughs) At least the sideways made Ilana more interesting. I loved Recon or anything that Sawyer was in. I like how his character developed through the entire show. As far as season finales and total storyline, it was awesome. I never cried and laughed so hard. It left a big hole in my heart. It was better than Seinfeld, ER, The Sopranos, Sex in the City, Star Trek The Next Generation, and X-Files. All right. Well, Greenberry writes, I liked this season a lot, along with the second half of season three and all of season four. Of course, season one was amazing and stunning. However, all the seasons get better upon rewatches. Season six really helped me to like season five more. It enabled me to see all the the setups, such as the Man in Black and Jack story arcs being developed, and I loved Across the Sea. I love seeing the Man in Black as a boy, his depth, his curiosity, his sad story. I like thinking about the roots of evil and how a person takes evil on through a darkness that grows within them, or whether someone else has a hand in it or not, whether someone is able to take responsibility for their evil actions, and particularly whether someone can be reformed or redeemed. Island She writes, despite how much I love the finale, season six is probably my least least favorite season right now, which really isn't much of a criticism since my least favorite season of Lost is still 100 times better to me than anything else on television. And season six did produce six episodes that will go down as some of my all-time favorites. Abiturno, Across the Sea, Happily Ever After, Dr. Linus, The Substitute, and The End. But compared to the other seasons, many of the episodes this season felt like filler. Overall, I felt like the sideways reality was more compelling than the on-island story, at least until the end. 
and I do believe that it was essential to the series. Brera Mike writes, For me, season six started and ended very strong. However, there was a point midway, perhaps from about Dr. Linus through the package, where it felt very uneven. I think that both the island story and Flash Sideways seemed to have no momentum for this stretch of four episodes. Aside from that, I really enjoyed season six, which overall kept up the lost standard. I liked the Flash Sideways initially when I thought it was a parallel universe, but now having seen the end, I love it even more. I loved that I was caught off guard with the Flash Sideways. I felt like I had theorized way too much to ever be surprised again, and then to be surprised and as emotional as I was by the last 15 minutes of the series was incredible. Doc JKM writes, Season 6 was tremendously entertaining. The build-up to the finale was excellent. The emotional payoffs are extremely effective in the sideways, but the realized mythology of the island was underwhelming giving the setup, and the sideways reveal felt cheap and manipulative. Still, it only deflated the sideways and Season 6, leaving the remainder of the best show ever on TV intact. I've said it here before that I hated Season 3 prior to a front-to-back rewatch and now consider it to be either the best season or tied for that honor. It will take a significant amount of time for me to see if I do change my mind about Season 6, but it's possible. Carol from Boston writes, If The Flash Sideways was the only way to bring back my favorite characters and have them discover each other again, then I am fine with it. I loved seeing everyone have their moment of recognition and their joyful reunions. It made me happy to see them happy. Lost gave me both a happy ending and a tragic ending, so I got to cry and smile at the same time. MB writes, I appreciate The Flash Sideways very much for its dreamlike quality and the jumbled timelines and recursive motifs. I thought the writers cast and producers beautifully depicted how much the characters needed each other and that in that saving each other they were saving themselves. Cool Peace writes, The Flash Sideways were a very interesting, satisfactory, and creative way of giving us character resolutions instead of just ending the story on the island and Man in Black's ultimate demise. The Flash Sideways concluded each character's arc and therefore lost as a series, going full circle from where they were to where they finished. So for me, season six was excellent. I especially loved the acting during this season. All the actors surpassed themselves and the emotional impact of this season as a whole was the result of the great storytelling. We cannot have emotional resonance without being invested and we were very invested because of the characters, their stories, their sacrifices, and ultimately their redemption. Gary from Tennessee writes, During the course of season five and during the hiatus before season six, I was a hardened supporter of the whatever happened happened theory. That the time-traveling Lotsies were causing the history of the events we saw on the island and not changing them. Unfortunately, the flash sideways of season six seemed to imply that we were wrong and that the Lotsies had indeed changed history. That was until the end of season six and the reveal of the nature of the flash sideways. Since the flash sideways were actually a construct, a post-life world, or purgatory and not an alternate timeline, it would imply that when the time-traveling losties detonated Jughead, they indeed caused the incident and the chain of events leading to what had happened to them up to that point, a full causal loop. The Flash Sideways vindicated the supporters of whatever happened, happened. You know, I hadn't even thought about that after all of the debate over whatever happened, happened, and changing the future. Yeah, they didn't. So that's that, true. I like that vindication. Krista Bean writes, As we all are musing about coming full circle in season six, I have another lasting impression. That is, the beauty of connecting season three, when Sawyer and Kate are forced prison labor to build the runway, which in season six saves their own lives as they take off on that same runway. I love the karma of that 
that situation and the metaphor of two people in a pit of despair unknowingly laboring on something that will ultimately lead to their salvation. Another layer of beautiful writing. Yeah. Great catch there. Good thought. Josh Goodfellow writes, My favorite aspect of the plot was in regards to Eloise Hawking or Eloise Widmore as she is known after death. She always seemed to know what's going on and this is no different in the Flash Sideways. I love thinking back to her Flash Sideways story after the reveal and the finale. It's obvious she knows she's dead. This time around, she's giving Daniel a chance to make music since she stopped him from doing that in real life. She is responsible for his death, so she wants to give him the perfect life. She is postponing their moving on so she can give Daniel the life he never got to have. Beautiful. I like that thought. I mean, yeah, I, I'd me been kind of curious. We were like, what's the deal with Eloise? Did she or didn't she know? What was she up to? That's what she was up to. That makes perfect sense. And it's very poetic with Daniel's story. We will close you all, everybody, with um, one last email. Now, in our last show, we shared a very touching story from Ed in Pennsylvania. And that actually inspired someone else to share. And I want to share it with you. Clinton writes, I wanted to write to tell you what this final season means to me. Yesterday, the show took on a whole new meaning in my life. My best friend, Gretchen, suddenly passed away in the night at age 42. She meant the world to me, and I will love and miss her forever. Ever. In this devastation, the ending to the show brings me comfort and hope. I picture Hurley's face as he sees Charlie. He was so happy to see him again. Or Jack and Kate, who my friend couldn't stand, and their moment in front of the church. These scenes mean the world to me right now, and I can't thank all the people responsible enough for them. She was my constant, and I hope for my big parallel universe in the sky. Just wow. a sweet thought, and uh, definitely our, our best wishes to you, Clinton, and um, in memory of your friend Gretchen. But, well, what can I say? Thank you, and thank everyone for all of your great comments. As always, you all, everybody, are uh, our favorite part of this podcast. I mean, really, you're the reason that we put out the transmission all of these years, so... Mahalo anui loa. We can't thank you enough. It means a lot that we've added something to your enjoyment of loss. For our final podcast planned for June 27th, we'll take one final step back to talk about the entire series of Lost. Um, now that we have our entire story, we'll talk about what we loved, what we didn't love, what frustrated us, what moved us. But uh, perhaps most importantly, we do want to hear from you about what the whole Lost experience has meant to you. If you're listening to this podcast, certainly after Lost has ended, two weeks after the show ended, you obviously have a strong connection to the show, so tell us about it. We've said many times how Lost has changed our lives for the better. Heath said the same as well. Now we want to hear your stories, and it seems that the best way to say goodbye to Lost and to the transmission is to really kind of re revisit those stories. And hey, we'll still see you in another life. Yeah, of course. Um, the conversation will definitely go on we'll post on our blog now and then as long as you all everybody want a space to talk about the show i know many of you want to hash out some of the unanswered questions out there or talk about your favorite characters and we'll certainly let you know about some of the other blogs and podcasts and forums out there and the rewatches that they're planning absolutely in fact um, i did want to mention one of the new projects that has sprung up before most of these rewatches get going is a project called knowing lost now fair warning it is a work of fan fiction but it is actually a work of meta fan fiction, recursive fan fiction, fan fiction squared. I mean, I don't know how you would describe <laughs> it. It's basically a story about lost fans and 
what would happen if they crashed on the island with all of the survivors of 815 but with full knowledge of what happened on the show it's it's certainly a very interesting conceit and uh, some of the characters have familiar names i think one of the protagonists might in fact be named ryan oh Um, really but you do know that it's a work of fiction because that ryan character apparently makes a reference to some show called heroes I oh really so definitely um you know fiction but still a lot of fun it's being put together by sam mcpherson he's uh he spends a lot of time over at lostpedia but he's now doing this Knowing Lost project. You can find that at knowinglost.wordpress.com or knowinglost on Twitter. And of course, we are not going anywhere either. You can find Jen and I anytime on Twitter. I'm Hawaii and she's Mrs. Hawaii. And you can also find us on Facebook. We've even got a page for our podcast on Facebook where you can connect with other listeners, uh, post fun links and videos. You can start conversations over on the discussions tab, which I didn't even see until recently. It's a great place to um, to meet up, to chat. And that is at facebook.com slash lostcast. And finally, we're kicking around plans for a new podcast called Pop Spotting, Mm -hmm. and we'd love to have you join us there. We need your input. We need your brilliance. We want to find the best of TV, movies, music, and books, and maybe even games that you want to talk about. Absolutely. But um, for now, please don't forget to share your lost story, favorite episode of all time, favorite moment or character, or just share what lost has meant to you. Please post your thoughts on the blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost you can email us at lost at hawaiiup.com or you can call and leave a message on the lost line at 815-310-0808 now before we go we want to say that we dedicate this podcast to nunu nunu was the beloved pet of jorge garcia and his girlfriend beth if you recall, Nunu even got some screen time in season six right. in the Hurley episode. Sadly, Nunu was killed in an accident soon after we posted our last show, just as Jorge and Beth were about to leave Hawaii. They were devastated and we were devastated. So we wanted to send our love and condolences. Definitely. And um, we did make a donation in Nunu's honor to the Hawaiian Humane Society, which Jorge has been a great supportive of. And if you're so moved, I'd like to encourage you to do the same um, quite a few folks have already and in fact i'm going to take some inspiration from joe of joeopinionated.com because we want to encourage you to join us in remembering nunu if you donate ten dollars or more to the hawaiian humane society and uh, just email us your receipt we will send you a special lost keepsake. In fact, it is a button that ABC made just for the Sunset on the Beach premiere in January. We were just talking about that. It was a special event. This is a special button. And in fact, most of the people I know who were there didn't get one. So you can get one if you help support the Hawaiian Humane Society in Nunu's name. So give $10 or more. And with your email receipt, we'll get the button to you in the mail as soon as we can. And you can do that by going to hawaiianhumane.com. To close out this transmission, we're happy to share another great song by the Others Lost Band. They're still processing the finale, but this song explores the episode What They Died For. We definitely want to thank Tommy, Shannon, Blake, Gabe, and Eric for letting us include their music in the transmission all this time. They've definitely become kind of a key part of our show, and we've loved their music. I love this song. The strings and the sound kind of fits again with the end of Lost. You can always find out more about them and hear more of their music at theotherslostband.com but here's their song it's titled Let Go Enjoy everybody Stay Lost Stay Lost Aloha. Aloha 
Jack, they found your dad. So Desmond says, Look in the mirror, there's more blood on your neck. There's concerts tonight. His mom's coming too. Jack, don't get weird. Desmond's off to John's school. He beats Ben up. Says I'm here to help lock. He needs to let go. Jack needs to help him walk. Then saw something too. Made him believe that he turned himself in. Hello, Kate inside. Jack stitching Kate up. Jin's son had a kid. Desmond's down in a well. They're gonna need him. There's Alex's grave. Miles walking around the dead. Richard buried her. After Ben left, we're gonna blow the plane to hell. Grab all the C4, put your three steps behind. Jacob went to win more. Ben offers lemonade to the man in black. You have people to kill, then the island you can have. Tell John the thing. He wants to know why you bring Desmond back. Your daughter's dead if you don't A measure of last resort Is like a fail-safe key Then shoots him because He doesn't get to save Penny Mr. Locke, don't make that mistake Jacob wants the ashes that you have When fire burns out We'll be coming back We're close to the end We'll get your friends One of you must protect the island You are all flawed You all needed this place Your job is still yours
This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.